Welcome back, nonfiction branders. It's me, DP. Hey, listen, guys, I know I took a couple months off for a little bit of a hiatus once I hit episode number 200 of the nonfiction brand podcast, but there's a good reason for it. I was a little bit tired. Almost four years of podcasts can wear you down a little bit, and so a little bit of a break is needed. Not only that, but I wanted to mess around with the format. Since the very beginning of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, it's been one guest for two consecutive weeks. Well, now I'm changing that up because I wanted to have longer episodes and more frequent guests. So from now on, it's going to be one guest every week for up to about an hour's worth of conversation. So you're still getting your two episodes worth of goodness, just packaged in a slightly different way. At any rate, this is episode 201 of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast with a special guest that I'm going to introduce to you right now. Tyler, welcome to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, here's the thing. Listeners to the Nonfiction Brand Podcast will know that I've recently fallen in love with an online service called Podmatch. And this is me revealing a little bit of behind the scenes. I've done this podcast. This is going on year four now. And for the first three years, I depended on people that I met face to face in public. And that was a great way to get guests until this uh, little thing called COVID showed up. And all of a sudden, face-to-face was not a possibility, especially with people that I really wanted to talk to, which were not my friends and family and close associates geographically, but people from around the world who've got really interesting things to say and share. So I'm, I'm hanging around Podmatch, which is like, I've heard it described as Tinder for podcasters and podcast guests. And I see this profile pop up of a guy named Tyler Foley. And again, we can talk more about this as we go, but... I just want to say that Podmatch is smart. They've gamified the dashboard so that it shows the top 10 podcasters and podcast guests. Now, it defaults to podcast guests. And I'm proud to say that this podcast has been one of the top 10 podcasts. But Tyler Foley's name is always at the top of the top 10 podcast guests. And I'm like, I got to talk to this dude because clearly... He has mastered the art of being a podcast guest. So I want to kind of tee up this question for you, Tyler. How and why are you always number one on the Podmatch guest list? Because I'm super handsome. I don't yeah, know. well, that didn't work for me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah, no, you've got the great beard. Like you, you got, I mean, it's a shame because you've I've got, got three daughters. Have- I earned it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I, I have to keep mine shaved because I've, I'm, I've got matching gray. You and I could have twinsy beards. Yeah, but, there you uh, go. To be honest, I think part of it is I love doing it. Like I really do love doing podcasts, being a guest and being a good guest. I actually run a training program now because I've been in the top 10 on the pod match list for eight months in a row. And number one, more than a few times, I realized that it was a thing that I could actually teach people how to do. And a lot of it boils down to being a, a gracious guest. And I think you have to remember, I am I am a guest to your show. It's no different than if you were to invite me over to your house, you know, because there was a time where we would have recorded this in studio face to face. And to me, it's no different than any other media appearance that I've ever done in, in my 36 years of performing. 
So if I'm going to be on radio or if I'm going to be on TV or if I'm going to be on your show, showing up and and being a good guest is is the first part of it. And then I, to be honest, I think it, you have to love doing it because it can be a grind. Like I last year, I did 180 podcasts. I was a guest on 180 podcasts. And a lot of hosts who are running shows don't even put out that many shows in a year. So you have to really want to do it and really enjoy it. And I do. I, I love coming on. I love meeting new people. I love talking about all kinds of things. Like I have a very eclectic knowledge base, you know, master or jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> That's me to a T. So I think that helps, especially with the, the modern platforms that we have. And then Podmatch, as you said, I, I would say it's the match.com for, for guests. Tinder's a little too swipey, right? But uh, I definitely, I've really enjoyed uh, that platform and, and how it's put together. And you're right, there is some gamification to it. And uh, I, I did crack the algorithm. Well, good for you, man. I tell you, because uh, frankly, I want to learn some of that during the course of this podcast. But the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is all about trying to encourage people to embrace the completely true, completely you brand that people already are. And that doesn't require you to be in Hollywood or New York or in your case, Toronto or Vancouver or anything like that. It requires you to get out there and you know, I don't want to pick on you, but I'm going to say we're both high plains citizens, if you will, because you're in Alberta around Calgary area. If I got your postal code correct, that's correct. And I am in Wisconsin outside the great state capital, Madison, Wisconsin, surrounded by cows and corn. And in this case, snow. And I just want to point out that Tyler, based in Calgary, has an international presence in the podcasting space, which of course translates into social media activity across all the social media platforms that you engage with. And it doesn't hinder you at all. The fact that you are uh, just take a left from medicine hat, go a little bit Northwest and you'll eventually get to Calgary. <laughs> True story. I love that you just referenced medicine hat from Madison, Wisconsin, because that is probably the right cardinal and, and first waypoint for you to get to. So yes, yes, I am. I will. I'm going to remember that when people ask where Calgary is, I'm going to tell them I am just northwest of Medicine Hat and see the, the blank stare. But you're right. Geographically, you don't need to be inhibited in any way, especially with technology now. And I, I'm very blessed to have such a broad platform to be able to broadcast my message, broadcast my brand, and, and again, meet people from all over the world. I've been on shows from Lahore, India, or Lahore, Pakistan, rather, to Sydney, Australia. I just was on one that was based out of Sao Paulo. So I'm, you know, I'm sure if they had a podcast in Antarctica, I'd be able to say that I've been on a podcast on all seven continents. So I'm just waiting for that science team to start up their show so that I can apply. Well, in one of the things I want to point out is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you are a podcaster yourself. Do you have a podcast? No, because I recognize how much work goes into it. Amen, brother. <laughs> like it's 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 I I am in awe every time I'm on a show. The back end that you have to put into 
you know, building a, a podcast, the, the various platforms that are available to broadcast so that you can broadcast it. Are you going to do it live? Are you going to do it pre-recorded? Bless your heart for doing a live show. I love the live shows, but you know, that takes a little burden off you because you, once you have all of that mechanism in place and all that infrastructure, you hit go and we go and we do the show and then it's, it's out there where some of these guys who are doing the pre-recorded ones. They're, you know, the effort that goes into that, you having to do the editing and, and, and understand the flow of a show and, and, and all of that. And then, yeah, just having the platforms I have, this is such an easy job for me. I just show up, look pretty, answer a few questions and then go about my merry way. And I, I wouldn't change that for the world. And I'm just, I'm really, like I said, I am so thankful every time I get to come onto a show because I recognize that without you, I wouldn't have a platform. Well, you know, I bring it up not to wag a finger at you or anything, but to point out, see people, you can get all the benefits that podcasting has to offer with none of the drudgery, technological pain, you know, systemic agita, all that stuff. And simply by following Tyler's example, you can be yeah. an expert wherever you happen to be on the face of this earth. If you have a camera and a microphone, and by the way, you do, it's your phone for a lot of people, you can turn out a good guesting experience for podcasters like me, where you go, wow, that was fantastic content. Maybe your microphone's not the best. Maybe there was a dogs fighting in the background every once in a while, just like at my house, but it doesn't matter because podcasting is about the raw feed. It's about getting the information out there, sharing, who you are, what you do, and how you do it in a very effective way. And Tyler has cracked literally the podcast code, and he's not even podcasting. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, to yeah. me, is amazing. Yeah, not, not without having my own show in the last six months, let's, let's read the stats proper, 218,070 downloads and 1,078,333 social impressions based on the statistics that, well, it's too blurry for you to see, but that's what PodMatch is telling me right now based on the information that the, that the hosts submit. So, you know, 200,000 downloads in six months and over a million social impressions using somebody else's platform has been wonderfully beneficial for me. And again, I recognize that I am piggybacking on somebody else's audience and somebody else's hard work. So I want to make sure as, as a guest that when I come into your house, when I come to your show, that I'm giving you the, that quality soundbite or the information that your audience can use that's important because otherwise I, I don't get asked on to the next show. And I can use the soundbites too. That's the other beautiful thing. You're going to find the best of the best of the show and you're going to put that up on your socials so that you can say, hey, this, you know, come listen to my show. This is some of the stuff that you're going to get. But then that becomes content for me, too. And I can use that to really hone in on what my brand actually is. Right. There's what there's always what we think we want our brand to be. And then there's what our brand actually is. And I have found over the last six to eight months really, truly my voice and what my brand is based on the snippets and and the little tiny excerpts that all of the hosts are pulling out and going, this is what we want you to hear from Tyler. And I'm going, well, if that's what they want me to hear, then that's really what I should be honing in on as my messaging. And it's 
the growth has been exponential in the last six months. I, again, I am grateful and thankful every day that I get to come on a show. Well, I want to point out for the nonfiction brand audience, something you said that is so important. And that is you found your voice, not because you knew necessarily what it was, but because you heard what other people thought was the most valuable stuff you could share. And you discovered that, oh, one, I'm showing up as a genuine human being. I'm not some slick shyster in a sharkskin suit. I'm coming on as myself and sharing what you know. And then from that, your audience is saying, of what you know, here's a gold a piece of gold. Here's another piece of gold. Here's a diamond. And you get to discover that, oh, wow, people are just getting these specific things from me. And I'm guessing that you're starting to focus more and more on those things because when the marketplace is telling you what they want to buy from you, that's a good time to listen and a great time to start building up inventory of those things that they want to buy. Am I getting that right about you? A hundred percent. And it's been beautiful because you had touched on it and I will reinforce it that you really need to know who you are. One of the things that I teach in all of my seminars is authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness because I don't like the word authenticity. I hear it too much. It's a buzzword in the speaking world. We need an authentic speaker. And I find it becomes a, a license to misbehave because that's just who you are. I'm just being authentically me and then you can swear or do whatever. And I think that isn't really actually being authentic. But I think knowing who you are at your core, knowing what your messaging is, is that critical first step. Because I am unashamedly and unabashedly me. I, I show up, this is who I am. And, and I know because I've got, you know, <laughs> all coming up 200 episodes that I can go back and look on. And who I am and how I'm showing up hasn't changed. But the laser focus in on the messaging that I am providing to a show or to a host is becoming significantly more refined, right? Because I'm, as you said, I have been able to, I have this entire pay ground, pay dirt of information that I can use. You know, we'll call it a cubic bucket, right? One whole cubic yard of, of material that I can give people. And everybody's taking it and they're distilling it down and Next thing I know, we've got, as you said, a couple of gold nuggets. And hey, we've even found some diamonds mixed in with that. But there was all of this material. And all of it is still me. It's all, all what I use. But when you sluice it down, this is what people want, right? They, they, they just want the gold nugget. Give me the nugget. And so now I know what my nuggets are. And they're really easy. And it's been a beautiful thing because I've always had them. But I've now heard what it is that the public wants. And a lot of that has to do with being able to repeat the message over and over and over again. How am I in the top 10 and number one most of the months? It's because I don't stop doing it. You know, I've seen some of the other number ones come and go. I've actually coached a few of the people to get to number one. And then they get to number one and they're like, great, walk away. And I'm like, well, no, like now you've got some momentum, sustain the momentum. You'd be surprised what happens the more you stay there and become omnipresent with it. I'm going to be speaking at the Podmatch quarterly convention tomorrow. And I get to come on for 25 minutes and talk about just that. How did I get to number one? And how do you show up and be a really good guest so that hosts want to ask you back? 
And I wouldn't have had that if I didn't sustain the momentum. Oh, man. I massively agree with you about the word authenticity. It's now used by NFT and crypto currency salespeople. This is the authentic Bitcoin. Give me a break, dude. There's no such thing as an authentic Bitcoin. But my point is that you are currently using podcasting to refine how you speak about what you speak about, what you speak about, just about everything about you. And I love that because, frankly, podcasting, getting on audio or on video as well, it's a place where you're you're naked. And I know you've you've got a theme about speaking naked. And the thing I want to point out is if you want to know authentically who someone is, put them on camera and put them on microphone and record them. Because what you are going to hear, maybe not every minute or every second of that recording is going to be, oh, that's authentically them. But you hear those little tells every once in a while, like, oh, he's just made a snide remark about his wife. I bet you he, he's having some problems there. Oh, he's said this about a sports team. You know, you're dropping hints all along the way about who you are, what you do and how you do it. And one of the things that I find about you that interesting is that before we press the go live button, we we're talking about how you were involved in a theatrical performance. That's funny. You're finding out that the performer you are has found a stage that is brilliantly working for you in the form of being a podcast guest. Oh my God, do you know how many people I tell you've got to find your style and then you've got to find your stage and marry those two things up and you will win. So I'm guessing Tyler Foley, your style is to perform, meaning I come the way I am, I use my voice, I use my wit, I use my brain, I use examples, I use stories, and I impart information, I teach, and I lead, and I inspire, but I do it via performance. I'm guessing you're better on camera than you are at a keyboard when it comes to typing. Oh yeah, no, a thousand percent. Even how I wrote my book was by not writing my book. My book is actually a compilation of transcriptions of my live training sessions because that's that's who I am. I, I am a born performer. I can't be on camera and not perform. I can't be in front of an audience and not perform. It's innately ingrained in me. It's who I am. It's how, as you said, I teach, I interact, I instruct. I just, this is how I show up. And so the book actually got spoken and cleverly spoken. I didn't come up with the idea. That was the beautiful thing about it. My team was like, hey, you know, wanted me to write a book. And, and it's one of those things when you're a speaker, most promoters are going to ask you to have a book. It's just kind of one of those things. If you don't have the book, it, you're somehow, you haven't been legitimized as a speaker. And so they want to make sure that you have the book there. And I'm, I didn't want to write it. I'm a, I'm a busy guy. And you're right. I don't. The keyboard sucks my creativity. And so when they were like, well, we can just transcribe your video. I was like, oh, do that. Sure. <laughs> Take it. Run. Here's, here's about 300 hours worth of video. Go. And they did. And they did. And it got compiled. And I am so proud of the book, especially because from it, you know, I've been able to, to really, again, refine the message based on the feedback that I've gotten from it. So next year we'll be coming out with a revised edition 
I cheekily would like to call because my book is called The Power to Speak Naked. I cheekily want to call the second edition bigger, longer and uncut. But I don't know if that's just a little too innuendo and over the top. And yeah, it's, it's maybe a, it's a right. It's a right ripoff of uh, South Park. So right. I don't, I, you know, but I, for the for those of you who are listening, know that in my head, regardless of what the final title is, it will always be my bigger, longer, uncut version of the power to speak naked. Well, you know, that is indicative right there of your brand, of who you are. You've got the idea, but you've also got the sensitivity to pull it back because while it would play really well with 25-year-old males, it might not play so well with 38-year-old female bookers at conferences, association meetings, and stuff like that. Are you being inauthentic by realizing that? Or are you being what I like to call selectively authentic, which is, yes, I am myself, but I'm, I'm not sharing everything because everything that I am, you'll get to know over time if we have a relationship. I see and you nodding think, your head. Yeah, well, and I, I think you're right, though, because, again, authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. I am very self-aware of who I am, what my messaging is. I do have a really dirty sense of humor. Like innuendo is my favorite form of humor. You know, every time I hear Steve Carell say, that's what she said, I, I giggle. And now that Andy Samberg on Brooklyn Nine-Nine has, that's the name of my porno, that to me is even better because it is a little bit more clever. But I am self-aware enough to know who my audience is and really who my primary demographic is. And the majority of my demographic is not me. So it's, it's funny to me, but most of the people who gravitate to my messaging are actually, as you mentioned, female, 35 to 55, and usually middle or upper management or a large proportion now are charity directors. And so although the power to speak naked is a little bit out there as far as a title goes, they're not put off by it. And I want to be sensitive to my people. Like the, you are coming to me for information. So as much as I'm going to get a chuckle out of the, the potty humor, because I am still an eight-year-old kid in my head and poop jokes make me laugh. And it's the great thing about having a six-year-old daughter because poop jokes make her laugh right now too. So we can giggle at the same humor currently she's going to outgrow it i am not my audience is certainly not aligned with it and so i'm i'm aware of that and i i don't think there's anything inauthentic about that they're going to get it in the live and i will be tasteful (laughs) with its presentation i'm not going to drip it everywhere it's just every once in a while something comes up and i'll go (laughs) giggles yeah well and and that's the the fact is when you have the ability to control the context the smile on your face, the tone of voice, the way you say it, the, the tempo and speed at which you say it. These are all cues to the audience that I'm putting this out there, but I'm not serious. You put the same thing on paper and people have none of that context. I, I heard Trevor Noah talk about context being the most important thing about comedy. And I truly believe that because if you don't know the context of anything a comedian says, it can be taken out of context and lead them on the cancel train right out of town. John Stewart's dealing with that right now. You know, an offhand remark about the 
film characteristics of the goblins at Gringotts in Harry Potter all of a sudden became John Stewart is accusing J.K. Rowling's of anti-Semitism. And he has had to spend weeks now pushing back on that, being like, no, and this is what's wrong with media. And I know Trevor Noah did a really good segment on that. I think Russell Brand did a really good segment on it. I've seen a lot of people come up to it. And I think people are getting tired of that, where everything, there, there is no subtlety anymore. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people ask me to do my training virtually. And I have been very hesitant to do it, even though I am very animated and I'm, I'm good on camera. There is still subtle cues that you just can't get that we could get in a live room. And furthermore, I can't get the cues from you the same way that I can. So virtually I can present this way and you're going to get the content, but I am informed by your reaction and I really need to be able to see an entire audience. And it can't be on tiny little minuscule screenshot things like I can't boxed up. I can't. It's not the same. I need to be able to feel where the crowd is at and and there's a real synergy that happens with that because of context. And without context, you're you're lost. So I I, I agree. I suppose that's a roundabout way of me saying I agree completely with you. That's how I know you're a performer. Because performers, whether you're you're a magician, a musician, a mus a musical theater performer, a live drama actor especially people who love to perform live. Oh my God, there's a reason why there are certain people on Broadway who will never be on film because they don't want to be. Because they always need to feed off the audience. And before we go any further, you've already teased the book enough. Now you got to tell us what's the title and where can we get it? Well, title is The Power to Speak Naked and you can get it at any one of your local bookstores, honestly. But for those in the States... I would strongly encourage you to go to bookshop.org to order it because bookshop.org is a wonderful online experience that connects you with your local book retailer. So you get all the joys of going to, say, Jeff Bezos' site, where you can get my book as well, but you will be supporting your local book retailer. So if you are in the United States, I would strongly suggest you go to bookshop.org. It will help your local book retailer. They also put together a fund that local book retailers can go to to get aid and assistance if they're struggling, which most of them are right now. And you can actually get my book for about a dollar cheaper off of bookshop.org than you can from Jeff's site. So save some money, help support your local bookstore and still enjoy the online shopping experience. For everybody else, you can get it from wherever your book retailer of choice is, whether that's Barnes & Noble or Amazon or Chapters. It's available everywhere. And you can always go to my website, which is seantylerfoley.com. Sean spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com, and I can hook you up with all the info. Well, you know, I, I mentioned the fact that when you're on podcasts, you drop little bits of information about who you are, what you do, and how you do it, and kind of the foundation of your brand. Tyler just did it right there. He mentioned not the House of Bezos, but local bookstores that you can support through bookshop.org. That just told me a key thing about you, the person, that is what people mean when they say authenticity. You let me know that you care about local brick and mortar. You care about local communities. You care about supporting the people that actually 
keep economies alive rather than just enriching the guy who wants to take a penis into space. Has. Yeah, he already has. And he has the nice cowboy hat to prove it. I'm glad. Oh, anyway, let's not pick on Jeff Bezos. He's got enough problems as is. So, Tyler, you're up there in the cold, frozen plains of Calgary. And I did a little poking around on your old LinkedIn page. And I know that, let's say that you're... You're living your, what I like to call your soul hustle, but you got your full-time job thing going on that is completely different than what anyone who might know you from listening to a podcast is all about, unless you listen to health and safety podcasts as part of your daily routine. Can you talk me through that? We've got Tyler, the performer, who performs live on stage. You've got Tyler, the performer, who performs on podcasts as a podcast guest. And you've got Tyler, I'm guessing I can say the performer, who is teaching people in a very narrow niche of business, which is health and safety, etc. Talk me through that, that whole uh, three-legged stool that represents your professional endeavors. So it's funny because, again, on the surface, they seem very desperate and separate in that you wouldn't see a relation between them. But what makes me a very effective safety consultant, and to be fair, I started Total Buy-In as a self-employed entity, mostly out of frustration, being picked up and laid off, picked up and laid off by various companies and really wanting to control my own destiny. So in 2015, I, I started my own company. And now I direct my company. I have significantly smarter people than me who are much more proficient in the safety realm, who can put together programs, audit programs. But what I do really effectively is lead keynote presentations and training sessions. Because again, as you had pointed out, I am always on. I am a born performer. And when you come to a session with me, most people here are going to a safety talk and their eyes glaze over and it's like instant zombification. Like you're going to a lobotomy, you know, <laughs> people are like, oh, not another safety meeting. And one of the reasons organizations bring me in is because I bring something to the table that is more than your regular safety presentation. And I want to show people how safety is every day in every way part of their life. And I use the power of story and my performance abilities to reflect personal situations that then speak universally to an audience so that they really understand safety. And then I get the chance to do some training, not as much lately, but again, it's just because I, I want to be in front of a live audience. So most of the safety training that my company is leading is being led by other people virtually. And when we can get back into live presentations, I will pick up a little bit more of the live presentations. But it seems that these would be separate. The reality is whether I'm training a group of executives how to be better presenters so that they can give their message more meaning to their employees, or if I'm training a group of executives on safety meetings, it's actually the same presentation. It seems niched because we stick safety in front of it, but the training is still the same. What is your personal story? Why do you identify with this? 
What does it mean to you? And therefore, why is it important to the people you're speaking to? And when we can hone that in, all of a sudden, this safety presentation becomes more interesting. But that goes for any presentation. I started as a performer, moved into this safety realm, continued as a performer, and have now branched back out. So where we got niche with this, the safety messaging, it's now broadened out to teaching executives just generally how to present and not just with the safety niche. That is the perfect illustration of what I refer to when I say you need to have a nonfiction brand that is completely true and completely you. A brand is not something that constricts you. It's something that grounds you and frees you because part of your brand is the performer aspect, not the safety aspect. Not, well, the safety instructor aspect is the costume you have to wear as a performer for for a given gig, if you will. But the thing about performers, change the costume, you got an entirely different character played by the same actor, the same performer. And so when people say, well, I'm a CPA, I guess to build my personal brand, I have to talk about nothing but taxes and, you know, insurance or whatever, blah, 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 people want. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear your take on things that affect my life. And some of those things might be a change in taxation. Like if all of a sudden home mortgages aren't, in, the interest is no longer deductible. I want to hear your take on that. But based on who you are, like let's say you're a performer-based CPA, I want you to tell me that story in a way that gets my attention, keeps it, and leaves me with a actionable, doable thing at the end of that story. And that value nugget that you just passed me has made you incredibly valuable to me. And that's the key, which is, you got to give the value first before you're perceived as valuable. You know, and I, I see you nodding your head in agreement. Take it from there, Tyler. I think you got some stuff to say about that. Part of the key to that is, again, I, I keep coming back to that. Authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. If you want to engage an audience, you need to touch them in their heart. You don't, you don't win an audience over in their mind. You win them over in their heart. And there's a wonderful study called heart math that discusses the connection between, because your heart contains neurons. You have neurons in your stomach, you have neurons in your heart, you have neurons in your brain. Neurons in your brain are wired to work subconsciously and consciously. So there's the thought that you have to put in and then this bit that you don't have to. The neurons in your gut and your heart work on a subconscious level. And when you can tie your head and your heart together, that's when you know you, everybody talks about being in state or in flow or you're connected as a speaker, your job. And, and understand when I say as a speaker, I don't mean that you need to be Tony Robbins or Darren Hardy or Brian Tracy, Les Brown, and have an audience of 6, 10, 20,000 people. As a speaker presenting information, you may be a boss presenting to a single employee. But as soon as you're talking to somebody, you have an audience. One more person in the room is an audience. And if you want that message to resonate with them, you need to be able to touch the heart and the mind, not just the mind. The easiest way to touch the heart is to connect on an emotional level. And the easiest way to connect on that emotional level is to tell your personal story and and reconnect with why is this important to me? This is important to me because, 
and I want to illustrate that through this. And then when you do that, then the other person can understand. It's that principle, never judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, I can't walk a mile in your shoes physically. I mean, you're in Wisconsin, I'm up here in Calgary. But if I tell you a story, you can see the world through my eyes. And in doing that, you can experience what I experienced. And that's how I connect your head and heart to my head and heart and how we can have that resonance. And I think that's really that key ingredient to getting your, your brand and to your messaging. Because as you had pointed out, it, you can be super niche. And in fact, the more niche you are, the more universal your message will land. It's one of the principles that I learned from both Bo Eason and Les Brown when I got to work with them. Bo Eason was very specific that the, the more detailed you can get with your story, the more universal it will resonate. The more generic you try to make it, the less likely it is to land. And then Les Brown tied it all up for me when he said, you never tell a story without a point and you never make a point without a story. If you're trying to make a point to somebody and you're trying to connect head and heart, you need to have that story. You need to, to give me a reason to care. And, and that's where a lot of what I do is training people to, to connect with their audience through the power of story. And that's when you get that harmonic resonance. All right. So I just want to point out to listeners and viewers of the live stream that Tyler's just given a masterclass in why you should do podcast guesting if you are like Tyler which is he has demonstrated who he is, what he does, how he thinks, how he performs, how he shares, how he inspires, and his voice, his mannerisms, the smile on his face, the animation on his face. All of these things he's demonstrated. And if I were a booker of a conference, would I be impressed by that? Yes, I would. If I were interested, more of a bookish person, would I seek out his book? Probably. If I was in the mood to take a seminar to, or a webinar or something like that, am I going to try to find out whether Tyler has those things? Why, yes, I am. Because he's been able to, via the performance venues of both audio via podcasting and live stream video and audio, he's been able to demonstrate very, very clearly and in depth who he is, what he does, and how he does it. Now, his resume says that he's this guy in health and safety and blah, 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 blah. But here's the thing about resumes. Resumes are nothing but a closet full of costumes for someone like Tyler. He's a performer and everything. You know, we talk about the fact that he's not a writer. Why? Because he's a performer. I can relate to that. As people of the who listen to the nonfiction brand podcast know on a regular basis, my career has been in... 30 years as a copywriter in advertising. I hate writing, but I love having written. I don't want to write for myself. I've written two books. Was it painful? Yes, it was. So what did I do? I pulled out the performer in me to write the book, not dissimilarly from the way you described your book being written, which was mine isn't as strict a compilation of talks and webinars and seminars that you've given, but I have used my podcast a great deal. If you get a copy of the nonfiction brand book, every single, eh, I'm going to say every five pages, there's going to be a block quote 
from some of my guests and a converse or a conversation between me and one of my guests making a point that I want to make. And I'm using a, an external expert resource to validate the point that I want to make. So I'm using my podcast right, left, up and down, in and out any way I possibly can to generate authority for me uh, to authenticate who I am that I, in uh, you know, I, that I am in fact, authentically me. You're doing the same thing and you just did it right there. And when I invited you on this podcast, I saw your write up on Podmatch and I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the thing you don't know about me is I was an actor in Hollywood for a period of time in the late, mid to late 80s, long time ago, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I was surrounded by. Yeah, I saw by, Steven Spielberg's show too. Yeah, well, exactly. But the thing about performers is, and you know this, there are performers who want to be personalities and performers who want to perform the art that they choose to do, whether it's blues guitar, whether it's musicals, or whether it's Chekhov plays. The personalities, these are the authentic people. No, they're not. The authentic ones are like Anthony Hopkins, the great actor, who when you go to see him in a movie, you don't see Anthony Hopkins ever. You see an actor doing a, you see a character. You don't even see the actor. Meanwhile, you go to a Tom Cruise movie. Do you ever not see Tom Cruise? No, it's, and it's a beautiful point, too, because you're right. There are the people who do it for the love of the craft, and there are the people who do it for the love of the fame. And I have always been the love of the craft person, <laughs> as is evident by the fact that nobody knew who I was before I came on. <laughs> you, know, you, have to, you have to do the IMDb search to see what shows I've been in, and I love that. And I love the freedom that comes with that because I am I haven't ever been typecast. The closest I've come to being typecast is if you look through my my acting resume. And it's funny that you point out that I have like the professional resume, which has very specifically been sterilized of any performance, mostly because the resume is used to get jobs and I no longer work for anybody. I want to work for me. But ironically, the people who want to see me speak want to see the professional side of it and they, they're not the performance is what makes me great but if i say that i'm a performer they go ah oh, yeah but we need a professional so the resume highlights the professional and it's always funny i i love when i come on the shows because people are like who you are on linkedin and who you are on facebook and instagram are two totally different people and i'm like you're right they are two totally different people because this is the professional side to me and so i've sterilized out the performance aspect and when it comes to me being a performer i do it for the love of it and as i was saying the closest i've come to being uh stereotyped or, or, or typecast i tend to play one of two roles and sometimes that role is combined i'm either the gay guy or the really mean guy or i'm the really mean gay guy that seems to be where my sweet spot for landing is. I mean, I'm usually really angry. And the thing that I like about it is anybody who knows me, particularly my wife, is like, that's not you. And it's the greatest compliment that I can get anytime anybody watches any anything that I've been in. They're like, that's not you. And I'm like, I know, isn't it great? It's and called acting. It's yes. called acting. 
And I still have the freedom as a performer to A, pick the roles that I want to do. And especially now that I'm self-employed, I, I still get to act. You know, my agent phones me up. Do you want to go for an audition, Tyler? Absolutely, I do. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll audition for it. But the difference between me doing it in my 40s and me doing it in my teens and my 20s is it's not a job for me anymore. It's just it's a bit of a side hustle that's really fun when I get a gig to go on and, you know, go and play with some other performers and and do this show for a little bit and then walk away and come back to what to me is my real life, educating other people how to be better on stage. And yet it's completely true with the brand foundation that you are, which is a performer. Because again, a performer doesn't need to be typecast or to be only this or that or the other thing. And the best actors are like, I don't ever want to play the same role twice. I want to constantly try new things. I'm going to use the same toolbox for every character I create, but they're all going to be different. And that's the key when it comes to brand level foundations. It's not about the costume or the makeup you're putting on. It's about the tools and craftsmanship that you have. Because if you dig down deep enough, the first principle about your brand is I'm a performer. That's when I got happy with my career because I always knew I was not going to be an, a CEO type, a, a, a chief executive. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to be a scientist. I'm not going to be a data analyst. I'm not going to be a bureaucrat that shuffles papers from point A to point Z. I have got to be on the creative side of the fence. And constantly, the things that I gravitate toward are exactly what we're doing right here. I would much rather spend three hours on Saturday, which I will be doing, editing this live stream into an audio podcast than spending three hours writing a blog post, even though I'm a writer. I have an aptitude as a writer, but not the attitude to be a quality, high output writer. I'm, I'm very good at what I do. I just don't like to do it as much as I do this. So I think we're cut from the same cloth. Because again, I don't mind if people get to know me because of this podcast or the other stuff I do, but I hope they don't know me because of that. I hope they know me because of what I say and what I share and who I bring on and who, who I curate on this podcast to the audience. I had no idea, Tyler, when I read your write-up on Podmatch that we'd be in, in such simpatico agreement about stuff, but I'm delighted to find that out. I want the audience to know where they can discover more about who you are, what you do, and how you do it, and any of the things that they might enjoy engaging with you with. We've already talked about your book, but go ahead and plug that again. But where else can people learn more about Tyler Foley, the both health and safety instructor, but also the performer, but also the podcast guest expert? Where can, where can they go? The best place is just to straight to the website, seantylerfoley.com, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com, because everything is posted there. If they want to get a copy of The Power to Speak Naked, they can find that there. If they want to get information on any of our training resources, in fact, if they go to the website, we have a link to a free Facebook group called Endless Stages. And in that group, I go live every Tuesday for Tyler's Tuesday Tips. And it's a 20-minute, easy-to-digest session. Uh, again, it's a live Facebook feed that we then record and, and put up the on-demand stream afterwards. But I will go in and 
basically download 36 years of public speaking and performing into answering questions that come from the group over the course of the week so that you can, if you're in the group as a group member, learn what I do, how I do it, and why I do it. And the stuff that works for you is great. And if it doesn't work for you, we will help you find the other paths. We have some really great resources and some excellent guests who come in to answer the questions as they come up. So SeanTylerFully.com. And if they're wondering, but Tyler, why do you have to complicate everything with adding Sean on the front of it? It's in honor of my father. I've always had had a professional career name as Sean Tyler Foley because it is legally my first name. Technically, my name is Sean Tyler, like Jean-Luc, not hyphenated. And when my father passed away, that was when I first really got into film. And so I've always I've always kept the name in honor of him. But for anybody who knows me, if we're friends, you call me Tyler. My wife calls me Tyler, so we always default to her. But SeanTylerFoley.com if you want to track down any. Well, and there's another example of a piece of information that gives you a little bit more color about who he is as a man, a, a giver, a podcast guest, a, an instructor, a, a performer. So definitely check that out. What a pleasure it's been to have Tyler Foley on the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I would love everybody to like, subscribe, refer this podcast to others, but could you do me a real solid and give it a rating wherever you get podcasts for free? Because that really helps other people find it. At any rate, that's it for me this week. I'm DP Knuton, and he is... Tyler Foley. And I'll be talking at you guys again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.